Awesome. So what we're talking about is, so Candice is working in the cutting edge development branch of Canlytics. So I'll just go ahead and, you know, share my screen with you. That way, you know, I can point while, mm -hmm. while I talk. So, you know, if you come to the Canlytics repository, essentially have put all of the code base, you know, the website and all into this Canlytics GitHub repository. And so the, the main branch is the one that is stable. So you see here, you know, the last update was, you know, about 20 days ago. Um, and so that, that's the, the most stable branch, the one that I think's production ready. It's been tested. There's, you know, as far as I know, the security's up to snuff. Um, you know, I, I'm comfortable using that in production. So if, you know, you're ready for, you know, production ready code, you know, use this main branch here. And then if you basically want, you know, the cutting edge, like the latest and greatest, all the, you know, the cool new tools that, that, you know, I'm tinkering on, then you can check out the dev branch. And you can see here the most recent updates were, were more recent here. Um, and in fact, I think I may have, yeah, so I just pushed um, some some updates last night. So I just fixed the the SC Labs one was actually sort of down for maintenance. I probably should have let you know. Um, but I fixed the SC Labs routine last night. Um, so this one actually should now be up and running for you. What does it do? Well, it, it can do do i guess um two things i guess we can give a, a quick demonstration if, if you would like well um, i mean what is the sc labs i mean what does that mean oh yes so essentially the idea is if you get your products tested with sc labs they'll essentially either give you well they'll give the client you know the pdf mm -hmm. and then sometimes the the client will, you know, you know, they may put a QR code on their label. I think SC Labs is well, not. I think I know SC Labs issues QR codes on their COA. So I think it's possible for people to maybe put them on their products. I haven't seen. I don't know if I've seen one or not. Actually, I think I've only seen the Confident Cannabis QR codes in the wild. But, but long story short is if you do have one of these PDFs, we, we've, we wrote a routine where you could collect, you know, public lab results from SC Labs. And we're a big fan here at Canlytics of, you know, just reuse, reuse, reuse. Um, and so... So I think it was just a couple weeks ago or so, we wrote some code to basically archive all of these SC lab results, just in case, you know, uh, 
I mean, it looks like SC Labs is, you know, here to stay, here to stay. But, you know, let's say they change their server or they or they changed how they did their coding or they decided they're no longer going to maintain their their results on their website. You know, long story short is, you know, as good data scientists, we just wanted to do our job and archive these. So we went ahead and wrote a script to, you know, to archive all of these results. And then basically what I realized is, you know, we can basically tie this into the COA parser. And so basically- It is in essence a COA parser for SC Labs, is that right? Exactly, because in yeah. fact, if you look at one of um, SC Labs public COAs, it'll have a QR code on it and it will link to, if it's public, it will link to this exact web page. So mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful how programming works like that. And so basically, you know, all of this code that we already have written to parse SC Labs, um, you know, website, we can tie that into the COA parser. Um, and so this is this is why how I was saying that you know depending on how sophisticated the lab is, it could be super easy to tie it into the COA parser. So you know Greenleaf Labs you know took me a you know an afternoon like mm -hmm. a Sunday afternoon like a good Sunday afternoon to to write, but SC Labs I mean yes we're as uh, Candice pointed out we're still um, you know making sure everything runs. Um, it, it, well in production, but we already sort of wrote this code, so we can just just sort of reuse this. And it literally just took me like, you know, I mean, it just took me minutes to to kind of wire this up. And then the rest is, you know, just bells and whistles, <laughs> just making sure that we get every single last data point and they're all clean and all that jazz. Um, so, um. Is it, does it get easier for this parsing the more you've done? I mean, if you've done SC Labs, you've done Green Labs, uh, Greenleaf Labs, you've done a number, I guess, that were in the corpus that I gave you. Does it get easier? I mean, you know, so the next one that comes along that's new and novel is just kind of falls in more easily or is it, uh, heavy lift each time. Well, that's why I want to tie in natural language processing because at the moment the algorithm's not smart, right? It's it just handles SC Labs, it just handles Greenleaf Labs, but we could make this smart, right? Because the whole idea behind natural language processing is if we get a bunch of known data points and then label them then we can maybe use them for prediction. And so this is the, the smallest application of natural language processing, which I think we could do at a high degree of accuracy, which we would need to do at a high degree of accuracy because these are sensitive lab results. And so my task would be, right, we've got all these SC Labs um, data points um, and we have, just to show you, right? So this was the the full scrape we did back in 
maybe I mean it actually may have been a while ago we may have done this back in June so um so we could maybe or may actually I guess we did this in July or um whenever this the last data point was um but anywho but uh but so check out here in the results so here in the results we have compound thca analysis cannabinoid cool and so now you see this coa and it's you know cannabinoid thca and this matches with you know cannabinoids um and you know this would be you know a trivial example right you would just you know uppercase the a and you know there you have it but the idea is you know and someone even made a, a joke about this right like oh, what happens when they discover you know thc zero um and then like sure enough i think they discovered thco um and i just thought that or something like that so i just got a, a big laugh out of that but the idea is you know if you just did the uppercase you you would never catch thc o but i've got a feeling that if we used one of these you know natural language processing packages like there's there's many of them so i kind of wanted to start exploring them right we could use spacey natural language toolkit you know we could use one of these big fancy models that that you know have been all in the news lately and so the idea is what if we you know right it seems like overkill but then you could also do terpenes right and so you basically the idea is the input is just the analyte name and the output would be the analysis because the reason being is it's super easy to go through this coa and just get all of these rows um so it's real easy for me to just go and get all these rows but just coincident it just ironically it's really hard for me to to programmatically say if something's a cannabinoid or a terpene so that's actually sort of the the hurdle that i'm at right now in the the parsing routine is i've collected all of the results but now i just need to say you know what analysis they are which it seems like a minor a minor detail but it's actually super important because that's how people like to look at the data right they want to look at maybe they want to look at all the cannabinoids or maybe they want to look at all the terpenes so we do need to label these um and i think and so my apologies for not having this ready for you today and so maybe i'll and i think i may do something special for you next week um and so since john got this data set this nice data set i think next week i may op open the meeting back up to the public no charge and then maybe we'll do it an afternoon meeting where we actually use natural language processing here because i think we could we could train this this model well enough right because look at all this data we have right we have you know almost I think what seven to eight thousand SC labs results. We've got around six thousand or so MCR labs results. 
Um, I think we, right, and so here's an example. I think we still need to add the analysis name here, right? So here you see they've coded this as THC-A, CBG-A, CBC-A, and look, CBL-A, right? You would almost, you know, never, or not never, but it would just be difficult to write uh, an algorithm to just uh, identify that as a cannabinoid unless we use natural language processing. And then the idea is we train it a bunch of times and then it just knows, oh, you know, CB, you know, this, if it's like, you know, short thing, right? Like three letters long. And right, that's the cool thing is that the natural language processing uses many, many parameters that, you know, the, the human, uh, it would be difficult for a human to code up. And so the idea is, oh, if it sees something short, oh, CBLA, right? That's four letters long. That looks more like a cannabinoid than alpha terpene terpeneol. Um, and like I said, there, there's, there's other clever ways that you could go about doing this. An idea I had is you could essentially just do a search, right? You could wire this up to maybe do like a Wikipedia search. Um, and so then if you get a word, once again, it would require an internet connection, but we typically have one. Um, and so then you would just, you know, just do a quick Wikipedia search, CBLA, you do a quick Wikipedia search for Camp Fiend, and then you would just see on that page if it has the text cannabinoid or has the text terpene. So that's a that's another approach that, once again, it seems like a like a heavy like a like that's a lot of work, um, but you know we can make each we can make these requests you know to Wikipedia pretty pretty quickly. But long story short is I was just going to you know pose this this challenge to the to the group today, um, and I and I actually kind of want to apologize because normally would have already you know coded up uh, the solution and we would be doing that here at the meetup. So I feel like uh, I'm sort of letting you letting you all down a bit. But uh, but as I said, I'll maybe make up for you. For you twice next week uh or so or we'll, we'll think of something but but any thoughts ideas questions john or anyone well it seems to me the challenge is to just build i guess my nomenclature might not be completely up to speed but it's the normalization routine that takes the various analytes and normalizes them to a common, a, a common um, identity for it. Um, and it might be that you just got to take a series of these and brute force create the vocabulary corpus. So it becomes a lookup function kind of thing. Um, and I think what happens then is the next time you onboard a new lab or organizations PDF, you just make sure you run a quick check and make sure that the vocabulary all fits. Um, but I think at some point, 
it's not uh, NLP AI, it's NLP real intelligence. One has to go through and normalize. I don't think there's an NLP solution outside of that. So, I mean, that's probably the approach I would take. And you're 100% right, John. And in fact, that's often how natural language processing actually works. Here, let's try to find one of these with terpenes. Um, I think this one may. Um, you know, and that, that's where, like, you know, marketers and me just, you know, we're just not on the same page because I sort of under glorify things and marketers may over glorify things. But essentially, I think a lot of you know natural language processing is doing exactly what you've described john it's basically just making just a huge you know dictionary of known terms that way it's easy to match them and then it may do you know may, you know some sophisticated tricks under the hood you know with lower casing and upper casing and number of letters but but i think it's an approachable task and like you said this is sort of as silly as it sounds this is the bottleneck and that's sort of how canlytics started right is identify the bottleneck however minor and silly and trivial it may seem but like like this is in fact the bottleneck right it's like the reason why you know all these terpene results haven't you know proliferated through um you know as much as you know one may may expect you know given a you know given you know how how right there as john's been trying to hammer home right the, these are pretty rich predictors of you know, uh, cannabis effects um, or aromas, right? We've we've looked at that in the past, right? And so, right, the re and people are starting to to get this honed in, but but I think we can get you know the full panel parsed um, because, as I said, you know, like there's some curveballs, right? Like there's some right there's some Greek, right? Literally, right literally right we've got greek letters um and then just be prepared for things to just change on a day-to-day -day basis right like i said like i've seen the case where like you know one there's two chemists at the lab and one chemist just likes to say linalool with a lowercase l and the other chemist likes to use an uppercase l for the linalool so i mean it I mean, one could hope for, you know, standardization within a lab, but I mean, it's not out of the question for things to even kind of vary within a lab or over time, right? Um, as we saw with uh, PCI labs, right? They, they've they been around for a long time, right? They were using one method in 2015, and now they're using, you know, another, they were using another method in 2021. Um, so they may have changed the analyte names um but but i think we can handle that um and i think basically i think what we're going to have to do is just use natural language processing 
um, you know, I basically, you know, assessed all the different tools, right? We can do a bunch of coding, but it's, or it's basically going to be a combination of tools. I think it's going to be one, just a giant dictionary, like John said, right? Like, yeah, I mean, if it's THCA and we already have THCA observed thousands and thousands of times, right? We should just be able to simply look that one up and use it. No, no big deal. But, uh, you know, but like I said, something like CBLA, that one we may have to, you know, pass through natural language processing. So it's, it sounds to me like what needs to happen are two, two tasks or two routines, if this is where you're at. A normalization routine where this is kind of what we're calling, where you kind of standardize <coughs> uh, the terms. And then it probably, I mean, you know, I have a little bit of knowledge now in NLP from working with Charles on the on the Yelp and the Leafly data set. So I start to speak this a little bit. Nice. Um, the way and then you're you're attaching tags, you know, kind of use or part of speech tags when you're dealing with real language. Um, I suspect <clears throat> the same thing could be done for an analytics an analytics database like this. It's just those tags have never been associated before because this is just not natural language per se. This is not text. This is very specific text. So those tags need to be built. But I think once you normalize and you build those tags, I think that's the approach. Exactly. And that's and that's what you I love that you've completely I love how deep of an understanding you you already have of natural language processing, John. For um, because essentially you, you you hit the nail on the it's head, right? It's linguistics. I mean, you know, we, we worried about this forty or fifty years ago, and then you know the, <laughs> the computers helped a bit, but it's just it's just you know linguistics. And then that's why I uh, I may have to knock the dust off of the Saturday morning statistics because. That's why I love going back in history, because as you said, right, a lot of these problems have been thought about extensively in the past. And so instead of, you know, reinventing the wheel, hit the history book um, and see what how people have already approached those and then just essentially redo the, the great work that people have already done with modern tools. Um, and, and so the idea here is why stop at terpenes and cannabinoids, right? Because we basically have all of these here. Um, and as I said, you know, for some of these, we've already sort of done the, the matching, so to speak. So like, I think for SC labs, I've gone ahead and matched that, you know, all of these are in fact pesticides. Um, and this would be another useful in like, like, like uh, John was saying, right, it's all about tagging these. Um, and so, no, right, people are using natural language processing, you know, at big companies, right, like Airbnb. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure most of the large companies are using it in some fashion. 
Um, and so it's just like, you know, we'll just use it here in the cannabis space. And basically the, the tags that we'll put on this is we're just tagging all of these as pesticides. We're tagging all of these as terpenes. And so then the idea is, you know, if you just see just some random analyte in the wild, uh, etozalazole, you know, hopefully the natural language processing could at least point you in the right direction of, oh, this is probably a pesticide. And then, you know, you could, you know, classify and parse accordingly. Um, and, you know, it may be surprisingly, surprisingly good, right? Because we were, as we were saying is, you know, these tools, you know, process language, you know, closely to, to how a human does, right? And so, right, I'm sure, you know, we, we would need to search ourselves, right? We don't know for a hundred percent certainty, but I'm sure most of you, you know, if you saw this word on a COA, cresozom methyl, you'd have a sneaking suspicion, okay, maybe this is a pesticide, maybe it's a residual solvent, perhaps a terpene, but probably not a cannabinoid, right? So we could at least, you know, get pointed in the right direction. And then, you know, simple words, you know, the heavy metals, just hopefully just a simple dic dictionary match there. But, um, so, <clears throat> I mean, this is both hard and easy. Um, <clears throat> if you work, and I would encourage working pretty exclusively at the beginning with the California set, because California has been very um, informative on what and how they want them on their COAs. And so um, you're not going to find wild pesticides. Uh, if you will, on a California COA, they're very clearly mandated what has to be on there. And so the normalization shouldn't be so hard um, you know, for a corpus like that. Where it's going to be a bear is in the terpene arena because that's not regulated. And that's where everyone is using different vocabulary. So it's a combination um, of normalization and then onboarding, I think. So, and what I mean by onboarding is, okay, um, you kind of, we're going to now parse Greenleaf Labs COA. We suck it up and then we quickly run a screening routine and it highlights, oh, here are terms that we've never seen before. Um, and you just have to map those. And once you map them, Greenleaf Labs is onboarded and you're done. You know, you move to the next one. I think it's going to be a process like that. But I would restrict my efforts to California initially because it's the furthest along. And then other states are tending to adopt California standards. Um, and, I, and then I think you go to Washington and you see how well you do because Washington is probably a large corpus and may not match completely. But I think I would take this in pieces if it were me. Exactly. And as I was saying, even a good, a good lesson uh, from Washington State about why it's so important to like the, the 
reason why it's important to archive these is what there was an awesome lab in uh, Washington State, uh, Analytical 360, and they had their lab results posted online. And just um, just this past July, I think July 1st, they decided they weren't going to renew their license. Just, I think, uh, just a cost thing, just crunch the numbers, decided they weren't going to renew. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the, you know, they took their server offline. Um, and so they had, you know, this big, extensive uh, data set of public lab results um, and I think some people have archived them but as we as we've shown um, it's always doesn't doesn't hurt to, to collect things more than once because you never know as Candace is has pointed out in my case you never know when uh, there's you know little wrinkles that need to get ironed out so but but anywho yes I think yes it would be worthwhile to get in touch with maybe some labs in Washington State, if possible, just so you know, I sent a couple labs there and just an email just saying, hey, you know, are you interested in helping out with this big, uh, you know, lab result aggregation project we're working on? But I think we still need to get a bit more momentum behind this. And then, as I said, I think California will be a good, a good place to focus on at the time being. And I'm not opposed to, to working with labs elsewhere. MCR labs, as I said, was just convenient because they- I wouldn't get sidetracked. I would focus on California first and then bring the others in subsequently. If you try to go everywhere at once, I think you'll you'll wander too much. Good, good point. And the these results do vary, or not, the result, well, as we actually found out, the results do too. But the uh, the analytes will vary a lot, state by state. You know, a lot of them will test for the. I mean, the big things that change are the pesticides. So the state that I've noticed that's the most different was Oklahoma. Right. Um, I would say they still have rigorous testing there. They just have a very small panel of pesticides. They just have like 13 pesticides or right. so. Right. And so that's kind of the point. If you catch it for California, you'll easily catch it for Oklahoma unless they've got um, random ones, which you then add in. But I doubt very much that Oklahoma is screening for pesticides that California is not. It I think you're right. I think California will be a good place to begin, and then eventually, the if we goal. ever, if we ever get the uh, Washington State data sorted, out. so we have the old traceability data sorted out, or at least Candace is putting the you know the iron to the last uh, wrinkles there, and then we still have to you know figure out the new traceability system. But perhaps the new traceability system may allow us to to view pesticide results in Washington state, that's a possibility. Um, so we actually may want to, to double check on that. Um, but, but long story short is uh, my apologies for not having the, the exercise for you already finished today, but I'll maybe code up something and share that with you for, so that way you can maybe have just a coding exercise to do on your own. And then next week, I think, we'll we'll try to have you know the big event you know a big coa parsing event data analysis event natural language processing bonanza um so, well, so big very big topics so 
exactly. And as I said, just the more I've been thinking about this, it's just it, now that I've, you know, whenever you, you know, learn a new hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, and, you know, basically this, this, this startup that I was talking to, I'm encouraging them to use natural language processing everywhere they can because they have a lot of text data. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have just completely ignored any and all text data. And now it's one of the most interesting things I think you can be working with. And, you know, this is, you know, small text, right? This isn't a, you know, these aren't long sentences, right? These are literally just words, but, uh, but nobody's tagged these yet. And, and even uh, the dictionary idea that John was talking about, even if we basically every lab we onboard, let's say they have a different um, spelling for, for, I've just been calling this K-Rene, um, but, uh, but it looks like it's actually Delta, Delta 3 K-Rene. And it looks like maybe the chemists may even like to, you know, raise the Delta to the three so so that so this may be like maybe the most sophisticated spelling of this that you may see um but long story short is we should try to tag these because i think that's actually a value added step and as mm -hmm. small and as trivial as it may seem i think this is the bottleneck and you know as if the you know the cannabis data science team can help tag these then hopefully as john was pointed out you may be able to get you know remo not that i pronounced this correct remunerated uh for your for your efforts right so long story short is you know if you onboard a new lab you tag a bunch of these new compounds and they basically need two tags right this basically needs to get tagged um as you know rf standard limonene so we either need to have a standard key for that or use its CAS number, but we need to have an, a standard way to recognize limonene. So it needs a standard limonene tag. And then it also needs a terpene tag. That way, whenever we, because right, just the way parsing works, it's really, it's kind of tricky to get this, this, title right here and match it to this table um i mean it's not impossible but it's like that's a little bit of extra coding but it's just super easy super super easy to just read that table so if all you have to do is read this table and you already have these tags built so you already know that limonene is limonene and it's a terpene I um, mean, you could potentially tag these titles too, but let, let's start, let's just start with one use first. So basically we just want to tag all these analyte names and then we'll basically have a natural language processing model, which is a combination of a dictionary plus some clever algorithms and we could put it behind an API, you know, John could use it, anyone could use it, right? Um, 
And then who knows the uses that people could think about this, right? So if all of a sudden people can, you know, freely send this data to each other, you know, you know, so programmers can, you know, readily use this in their apps, then, you know, who knows what, what may happen, right? Right, John will be using the terpenes in his studies. People may be putting these on labels. You may see really, really cool, like nutrition style labels on packages. Um, it's hard to foresee, really. And that's why I'm so, you know, big on on solving these bottlenecks is, you know, once you, you know, solve this, this hurdle and that, you know, you can poof, get everybody through, who knows what cool, cool inventions people will, will think of. Um, so that, so that's the task at hand. I, I've sort of gone on, on and on about it, but I think, you know, John, and hopefully uh, everyone can see that as small and as trivial as it may seem, you know, standardizing these names is um, is what's holding uh, holding a lot of uh, great innovation up. So that's that's what we'll be working on, or I'll be working on, and hope and any of you that want to as well. Then it it's sort of all hands on deck. Keegan, didn't you all or maybe? remind me um you were dealing with <clears throat> analyte normalization when um you put the psi set together is that right is that the extent of it um because um you did it for the psi data set and then match merged it into the leafly corpus is that right yes essentially i was just using a big dictionary though so kind of I was using your original approaches, just have a giant dictionary of known analytes and cleverly match those. So I was just putting them all in with what Candace was talking about at the beginning, like snake case. So that would be all lowercase with underscores. Um, snake case means that underscore is between words. You have to give me some vocabulary. But that's sort of an ad hoc. I think we would, what I was suggesting to people in Washington state, I don't know if it's the best idea in the world is to use the CAS numbers for standardization. Um, so there, you know, there is a chemical abstract, I forget what it's called. I, but there is, there is, you know, it has been an attempt already to, you know, standardize these chemicals. So, you know, once again, hate to just, you know, reinvent the wheel. Um, I will just point out these CAS numbers aren't perfect because, no, they're not. because especially in the cannabinoid realm, right? Because these are just such new and terpene realm. These are kind of new, not even new, but uh, they're, unstandardized chemicals um, one of so. the problems you're going to have with cas is that um it's going to become a one-to-many problem because many of the analytes are not specified for isomer status whereas they are as cas numbers and so um 
you're going to have an analyte and a COA that may have multiple CASs. And so that is a, it's a good idea to approach it through CAS, but some thought needs to be applied here. It's not a panacea. And, and so there could be a, a need for a, a, a spiffy new reel. Um, but, but anywho, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. Not a bad idea, but yeah, it needs, um, I'm afraid that this is really going to have to be just brute force. Um, it's going to be easy for most of what's on the COA because the cannabinoids are limited. Um, there's only um, maybe a dozen and a half that are in common analytical use. And so that one's easy. Uh, the pesticides are standard. It's just a um, spelling problem or, a, you know, is there a hyphen or a space or something like that? But coming off California, I think that's pretty standard. That's easy. A lot of the COA is standard. When you hit terpenes, it's going to be a mess. But it's um, it's a tractable mess because, you know, it's only um, a couple, two dozen, three dozen, if depending upon the lab, it's, it's approachable. But there's going to be a brute force effort in this, I think. And it just needs to go that way. There's no way around it if you're going to do this. Agreed. And I think that's essentially what the natural language processing is, is I think a lot of that's just brute force. So what I've, mm -hmm. it, it can be a pro and a con, right? So that's a, a criticism, right? Is it, it comes down to the training data, but we get so many lab results that we can build a huge corpus of analyte names. And we've already tagged a bunch of these um and i say let's just keep at it um and essentially we'll just keep track of a few things right we'll keep track of the original name so what was the original name the lab used then we'll tag that with the name we want to use and then at that point, we can add all the fancy details we want to it, look up the CAS, right. whatever. Yeah, and all that. Yeah. And then we, and then as I said, we could, at, at that time, we've also, once we've tagged it with the name we want, we also now know it's a terpene or it's a pesticide. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, so I guess the, the minimum would just be to estimate, like, or predict is this a pesticide? Is this a cannabinoid? So if you saw something like CBLA, that may be what you may have to do. And then maybe just, you know, send one of us uh, an email. We'll look it up, add it to the official, uh, the official database of knowledge. And then the routine will be that much smarter. And if it sees CBLA again in the wild, then it knows exactly what to do. So, in and as we pointed out, right, a lot of the labs are, I think the terpenes will be the, the big arena that will be changing the most. I think the cannabinoids will be pretty standard. People may add a curveball here and there, but I think the terpene panels will probably be the most variable, but yeah, that'll be fun for us, right? It'll, you know, keep us on our toes, give us something to do, keep these algorithms smart. So my two cents 
in looking to build for the future on this? I mean, because there's already hints of writing on the wall where this is going. So one could be with just a little bit of effort, uh, foresighted. Um, I would create at this point, as we're working now, a field for cannabinoid isomer, which is not yet in routine practice, but in the next couple of years, it will be. And so you, you know, we could not only show that we're forward thinking, but force it. Um, and we can, I mean, in a nutshell, what that means is um, Delta 9 THC, which we're all kind of familiar with, comes in a couple of other forms. And we're starting to learn that they are different and they have different effects and different potencies. Um, so the field to expand, we'll start to use those, that nomenclature. We should probably at the cannabinoid level start to think about isomer status sooner rather than later. I hope that's clear, but that's for my it, two cents, what you do now to look for the future. It's, it's, def it's definitely clear. So just to let you all know how the testing works, you know, it's not just like a, a black and white easy thing to do. It's not just like you put the, the sample in the instrument and, you know, it just spits out like the official, this is what your sample is. You know, there it's a... A science at the end of the day right so right they're having to you know interpret the results and cannabis is just such this finicky substance um you think oh it's just like any other well it's it's actually kind of odd right it's kind of odd to have a substance that's just so high in one particular compound and in this case thc or all its isomers and so when they're measuring it, they'll you'll see like slight variations, right? So maybe you're trying to measure CBG and you're expecting to, to measure it at a particular point in time. And maybe that particular point in time is like slightly off. And you're like, what is like, is a, like, is the instrumentation slightly off or my eyeballs slightly off? Is that maybe not CBGA? Or, you know, what, like what's going on here? And that's sort of, I think, exactly what John's kind of honing in on is maybe there is maybe something more to it. Maybe it's just measurement error or maybe you've got isomers or, you know. The, well, you know, there's a, there's I mean, there. all that is is at the level of the lab and should be. Um, that's not something that I would worry about at the COA level as much that. That's the purview of the labs and the licensing and capability structure of the labs to get all that right. You're, the point of departure is what is on, what's presented on the COA. What I mean by the isomer story, um, the standards don't exist yet. You can't, you can't do analytical work without reference standards. And everything that's on the COA has standards and all for it. That's how it came to be or comes to be. Looking into the future, there are going to be new compound sets and new standards that are increasingly added. And if we're judicious in this, we can force it as well by starting to say, hey, here are these fields that we know are going to be important. Let's start creating and filling them. So uh, I hope, again, I hope that's clear. It's not at the level of wiggle in the lab results that I'm saying this is going to occur. 
this is going to be at the level of standards and new standards that are created, purview, uh, purveyed into the analytical labs and sucked up and used as we discover the importance of these. Exactly. I was just pointing that out, just sort of inside baseball about how things work. But the, the main thing is from the COA is, you know, the, the only reason it matters to us is, okay, that's why we want to collect the margin of error if they report it. Because, right, there's just the, that, right, I was just sort of explaining, you know, why is the, there a margin of error? Um, but, but anywho, um, and what your second point was uh, pretty important too. Um, Which one? I mean, the stand, the prevent, the the provision of the standards. Um, something. Uh, I forget what my response was, um, but I forget. I, I was going to start talking about something about the certificate of analysis, but no, oh, that's okay. Maybe uh, you know when when the thoughts start going, maybe it's time to start wrapping up. But but so just where you are now, Keegan, on the COA parsing or whatever is um you can i suspect you can dump a list of words at this point is that it um they make they have no grammar to them or no and what i mean by grammar is you know literally they don't have any tags on them or whatever but it's just a corpus of words is that right is that what you've got at the moment or exactly you... and kind of like what we were showing with the pci labs is Right, it, we've got oh, compound CBLA result, you know twenty or point, you know point two percent or what have you. So the tagging that now needs to be done is we now need to tag that as a cannabinoid and also tag that as you know sort of the the CBLA that we know it as or 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 that's maybe not the best example but say it just is you know alpha terpeniol or now, let me ask a question a different way because i'm not getting the answer i want um if you take the sc lab uh, take a coa from sc labs and um you run your parsing routine can you output a list of all the words that are in it in alphabetical order and um either a frequency count or a repetition a multiple of it if you can't do that in other words can you just put out a long linear uh, i call the univariate text file format that would of everything that's in the coa in alphabetical order that's one of the smartest ideas i've ever heard because basically what you could do is basically just look at 20 COAs and see what they have in common. And then those would basically be your exactly. Your That's but start with one, start with SC labs. How complex is the vocabulary in that COA? Can you, can you do that now? Can you create, it sounds like you're pretty close to being able to create a linear univariate vocabulary list. 
basically indexing is what we're talking about. Right? So, so the vocabulary exactly that I think would be basically needed is one, the analyte names, and then, you know, once we have those formatted correctly, the other thing would just be getting things like uh, the field names. So like, no, don't worry about like, formatting. That's all going to come out of this. It's just, it's literally, can you index the SC lab COA at this point? We've started on it. I think there's a lot more to go. Um, so okay. I think we've just Maybe that's scratched a the good surface. Target. Um, what does an index of, you know, one of the top, I mean, SC is a top lab. Um, you have a lot of data for it, or, or it looks like you've got enough COAs for it. So just pick one and index it. And let's look at that. Exactly. And so, it would be fun to do programmatically is basically can we figure out where like you know the sample details are where we can figure out where the results are and then what stays the same and what changes from coa to coa um, and then that could help with parsing out the labels i mean I don't which think is actually that, the time. if the list comes out to be a couple of hundred i mean I wouldn't get all involved with programming. I would just start to brute force it because it can go pretty fast. Um, um, anyway, what I, I think I actually, the point to look is I'd index a COA once you've parsed it and let's see how about how complicated it is. Definitely. And I'll just end on I actually kind of like John's approach to programming. Um, so this is kind of how I do things is right, the end goal, right, is to have you know, a smart, clever program, uh, right? You want to be the tortoise at the end of the day, but you also have to get started. Um, and so often just to get started, I'll just do something just kind of brute force, right? So like the yep. parsing the COA labs, I'll just start, just, just start parsing it with the end goal of, yes, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we want to be the tortoise with the, uh, you know, work smart not hard um so that's what we're aiming for at the end of the day but we just have to kind of get started somewhere um so i don't know if that's the golden approach but but anywho um we, we need a mantra or my mantra on this is why use artificial intelligence when you can use real intelligence and literally, you know, you got to start. And and my mantra is artificial intelligence is also artificial stupidity. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry, what was is artificial intelligence is what? Also artificial stupidity. Oh, okay. I like that yes. one too. We need some t-shirts <laughs> made to raise money. There we go. But you do raise a good point there, John, because basically that's what we have here, right? Is we basically have all the intelligence of the cannabis data science team just all you know together working on this so we've got a bunch of great minds together on this so i think we can i think we can make some headway yeah um i mean literally this is kind of the approach that i've been doing with charles on the leafly versus yelp data set and basically i had to brute force the leafly data set after we got to where we got with the um, NLP. Um, yeah, the conclusions we can, we have are, are pretty clear, but it's a brute force. It's not hard. 
Um, but you've got to do it. Now we can see how well, you know, it works um, going forward with models. But you got to brute force at some level here. So I think, unfortunately, um, we're close to having to do that now. So well, if but you then you get in an index, I'll take a look at it and see how complicated it is. Definitely. And I just want to, to you know, thank you all for coming. And as I said, my apologies for not having a, a cool programming exercise for you today. So I, I, I sincerely apologize, but I'll, I'll code up something and we can either do it next week or I'll share it with you if you want to get started on it early. But, but basically, we're just tying everything cool together. We're tying our cool results collection together with the COA parsing, together with natural language processing. And we just have this cool, intelligent tool built by an awesome bunch of intelligent data scientists. So thank you all. So keep advancing cannabis science, everybody.